This is episode 90 of The Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks so much for joining me today. This is our first Q&A episode, and I'm excited about it. In today's episode, I discuss... 1. Creative ways to use the results from your productivity heat map. 2. How I suggest people approach heat mapping when their schedule is largely determined by somebody else. And 3. What tools I use for blogging. At the end of the episode, I'll let you know a few of the other questions that I'm going to be answering in the next Q&A, so keep your ears open for that. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. If you're struggling to keep up with processing your email, SaneBox might be just the tool you need. It has saved me hours of time each month, and the amount of peace of mind I get from it is priceless. SaneBox sorts through your email and moves all of the trivial stuff into a different folder, so the only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually want to see. Aside from removing all of the junk so you can focus on the messages that matter, there's this great feature called the black hole. Move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from the sender again. One and done. Just how we like it. Because email can be such a bear and keep you from finishing the stuff that matters, we worked out a great deal for our listeners. Visit sanebox.com forward slash giant and they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top of the two-week free trial. You don't have to enter the credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's really nothing to lose. Again, that's S-A-N-E box.com forward slash giant. Alrighty, Creative Giants, I am back. Before I jump into answering questions, I wanted to give a little bit of context for what's going on here. Way back in episode 47, I mentioned that we were going to be changing this show up. At the time, the plan was to start publishing twice per week and experiment with different formats. There were four different formats that we were considering. One was the featured interview. Two was the jam where um, we get, I get on with a guest and we talk about something interesting and make it actionable. Three were question and answers. And four were the um, solo riffs that you've heard. So we actually did start um, publishing twice per week back in, I believe, now April. Um, actually, back in March. So since then, what, what we figured out is... One, we were just reminded of how much work podcasting actually is. Um, so a lot of times the, that's not shared on the show because it's one of those things like who cares. But just in case you're curious, it's a lot of work. And we were doing a lot more work for not that much more gain, right? So the, the, we, I joke about it, but it's like 117% more work with 28% more gains. And for us, that's retrograde motion. That's that's working a lot harder for not that much more. And so we were really taking that seriously. It turns out that two times per week displaced a lot of other work between the interviews and the prep and the post work. A lot of other work like blog post content, um, articles, other things that, that I've been wanting to produce, books, um, ebooks, so on and so forth. Also, though the episodes have been great individually, the show as a whole hasn't had the cohesion and coherence that I'd like it to have. So, we're backing back down to one episode per week and working on the show flow and doing a better job of promoting and talking about the podcast. So, one time per week, 
we're also still going to be experimenting with those different formats. So as I mentioned just just a moment ago, you've already heard some um, featured interviews, you've heard some jams, you've heard some solo riffs, and this is our first question and answer episode. Interestingly, and I talked a little bit about this in episode 47, jams and interviews started flowing together. I had the idea that they were going to be two separate things. One, I, I interview someone about their story, and that's how that would go. And then in a jam, we, we pick a topic like creativity, so on and so forth, and we jam about that. And what happened is those formats started to fuse a bit. And I didn't fight it. That's just where the conversations went, so on and so forth. So um, that may continue to be fused together. Those two formats may split apart. I'm okay with however that goes. This is just a quick aside. Since I started producing the Creative Giant Show, I've actually been a little bit disappointed with how frequently I've published on the blog. I feel like I'm not writing enough and I'm not producing enough. And it's taking a long time to integrate the idea that the podcast episodes are content. They're just a different type of content. It's very strange because as um, as we've been doing twice per week or tw- two episodes per week, it's felt like, ah, but I'm not shipping content. I'm not writing. I'm not getting these ideas out. It's not true. It's just different ideas in different formats. You got to be careful with your head game sometimes when you're a creative person because you have an idea of this is how you do something. And then when you change it up, sometimes those operating assumptions don't catch up with you. So I just wanted to throw that out in case you are a creative and you're experimenting with different formats. It can feel awkward because the new format you're experimenting with sometimes doesn't fit the emotional and conceptual trigger or it doesn't trip that wire in your head that says, I've done that. That's what's going on. Let's jump right into the questions. Question number one is from Jennifer Laban. She writes in, I'd like to know ideas for creative use of the productivity heat map results. Once I know my most productive times of the day or the week, are there more creative ways to use that insight? For example, should I make a list of A-time and B-time tasks and proactively structure my week that way? That's a great question, Jennifer. Thanks for asking it. In the weeks to come, I'll have a blog post out, maybe by the time this episode airs, so I can link them up. But um, once you've done the productivity heat map, and let me back up just a little bit. Uh, Back in 2008, I wrote the post called How Heat Mapping Your Productivity Can Make You More Productive. If you Google heat mapping your productivity, you'll likely find me or Lifehacker. And Lifehacker featured that post. So either way, you'll get back to the core idea. Now, stepping aside from a lot of the writing, the core insight of that post was that there are some times of the day in which we're creatively and and productively high energy. And then there are other times of the days where we're not so much, okay? Um, So the idea is it it provides a tool. The post provides a a way of thinking about that and provides a tool that allows you to chart your day based upon um, and and measure what type of energy you have throughout the different parts of the day, okay? So that's the idea from the productivity heat map results. Again, you can pick it up on the website. We'll link it up in the show notes. Since then, I've done a lot of work and adaptation and iteration on that model. And as I mentioned just a second ago, I hope to have a post out by next week so that I can link it up in the show notes. 
one way to use the productivity heat map is to really think and think of the four different types of blocks that you might have throughout your day. One of those blocks are your creative blocks. Another block is a social or service block. Another block is an admin block. And the fourth type of block is a recovery block. Okay? Creative, service, admin, recovery. Creative, service, admin, recovery. For the service block, I alternate between service and social because I recognize that not everyone is in a service-focused profession. And so... Um, it's really what I'm trying to nail there are social time, social energy times where you have high enough extroverted and creative energy that you can be a good human that people actually want to be around. Um, but not so much that it's that peak creative, like I need to get my own stuff done time. So that's why you'll see me alternate between service and social. Okay. Now, once you know those different blocks, and you have the results of the productivity heat map, you can kind of play this, you can play the schedule sorting game. And as an analogy here, let's go back to preschool and kindergarten, right? Where we had that um, polyhedron, I think it was a dodecahedron. I don't know how many sides it had on it. Had on it. So let's just say it's 12, right? And it had 12 different shapes that went in holes that, that were with the thing. So the, the star shape went into the star hole, the square shape went into the square hole, so on and so forth. Your creative blocks, excuse me, the four different types of blocks are like those different shapes, and your day is like that that polyhedron that we're talking about here, right? Where there are certain shapes that fit into certain holes, and you can't fit a creative block in a part of the day where you're just dead. It doesn't work very well. You've probably tried that, right? That's the core insight of the heat mapping concept, right? Um you probably have also figured out that you can't fit a social block into another block. For instance, um, some people are not their best version of human first thing in the morning. So having a meeting at 6.30 in the morning may not work out so well for them, right? You might need to schedule that a little later in the day when you have the right type of social energy where you've warmed up, so on and so forth. What I want to put here... well. I'll, I'll pause here. So the basic concept is, um, and you'll see this in me talk about the um, block planning method, right? Is that you plan your day based upon the different blocks and you use those blocks very seriously. So, you, and part of it is figuring out how many blocks you need. And there's not how many blocks you want. Now, this is an important piece because most creative knowledge workers and almost all creative giants want more creative blocks. Now, a block... I should have mentioned this earlier, is between 90 and 120 minutes. That follows circadian rhythms. That follows what our brains and bodies can handle. We refresh about every 90 to 120 minutes. To make our lives easy, I just say two-hour blocks, right? That gives us enough transition time, but on the front end and back end. So that's what I mean by a block there. Most creative people want more creative blocks. They're like, I need as many creative blocks so I can do all the things, I would like more too. Unfortunately, we live in a world where we are very limited with the creative blocks that we that we have. Most people in my in my observation of hundreds of creatives, if they get three blocks in, they're doing really, really well. Really, really well. I wish I could change more of that. I wish, you know, that that we can all have as many creative blocks, but 
when you really look at it, again, peak performing creatives might get in three to four creative blocks per day, but that's a long day. And that's peak performing creatives that have honed their craft, that have honed their environment, that have honed their workflows so that they can just focus on their creative work. That's not most of us, right? So you can use those those different types of blocks for the day. You know that, for instance, you have to have two social blocks to do your job. Maybe you're a coach. Maybe you have uh, meetings that you need to go to, things like that. Those would fall under social blocks. You know that there's a certain amount of admin time that you need to keep up with things. Um, the last block, the recovery block, I've learned to put in because so many people um, neglect to to plan, to intentionally plan when they're going to take care of themselves and their body. It's kind of like it's just going to happen at some random time, and it doesn't. So if it's worth doing, it's worth planning to do, which means we need a placeholder for it and put that in the schedule. Again, I'll write, I'll share that post, hopefully by next week or whenever it's coming. The post, it talks about the different types of blocks, but I wanted to put that out there. So you've done your schedule sorting and you can use those creative blocks as a planning factor. Now, importantly, if you really look at the projects that you've got to do this week and you chunk them down, another post will link up into in the show notes. If you chunk them down into different two hour blocks, yes, I'm saying two hour chunks and I'm lining those up with blocks because it makes your planning world a lot easier. You've got Project X, you've done a little bit of scoping, you think that it's going to take you six creative blocks to do Project X. Your job then is to go find those creative blocks in your week so that you can actually do them. When it comes to doing the work that matters most to you, a lot of times what you're looking at is those are going to be um, the ones that require your creative blocks. There's going to be a lot of more. There's going to be a lot more work coming out about creative blocks and using them. There, there are a few different planners actually around this, so um, I'm excited about sharing that. But I can talk about it here. The basic concept, though, that to answer Jennifer's question is creative use of it is you have this idea, you have the results of when you're productive, when you might be social, when you might be um, in a sort of admin flow, and you plan and you plan your schedule around that, and you fill in the different blocks and the different holes in the day that they belong to. The last thing that I want to consider here is um, actively programming recovery blocks in your day so that they augment other blocks. Um, So it turns out that if you work out, if you take naps, if you eat nourishing meals, for some people, if they meditate, that what that has the tendency to do is to really augment the other types of blocks that that you have. So you might work out and find that you have a lot of really good social energy. You feel good about yourself. You're ready to go. Great time to um, have a meeting following that. Other people, I'm one of these people that after I exercise, I actually get another creative block. Naps are one of those things I've been exploring. Um, It's very, our society is very funny about naps and sleeping, right? And so as much as I know the benefits of napping, there's still this sort of Protestant work ethic in me that's like, like, you can't nap at 10 o'clock in the morning. What's your problem? It doesn't matter if you got up at four and that's a long time to be like working in a creative block. Like it's 10 o'clock in the morning, like put some pants on and be an adult. Um, Same for the afternoon. But it turns out that structuring naps throughout your day 
can be a really powerful way to recharge and get you back more creative blocks and or social blocks. So it actually makes you more productive than nap. Um, you just feel like a teenager. So working through that, probably going to talk about that more. So those are some ideas for how to use the insights from your productivity heat map um, to become more productive, more creative, and have more peace with your day. So Jennifer, that's a great question. Really appreciate your asking it. Question two is from Laura Hackle. This is a follow-up to the heat map question. They were actually two different questions, but I decided to put them together while we're on the topic. So she writes in and asks, how do you suggest people approach heat mapping when our schedule is largely determined externally? If I never have a day when I direct my own schedule, how can I even know when I am most creative or productive? That's a fantastic question. Laura, thanks so much for asking it. First thing I want to say is this is common. This is a common question. This is a common sort of objection to really exploring the idea of heat mapping your day and coming to grips to when you're creative and when you're not, so on and so forth, right? Um, It's really common. And in my, how many years? Eight years of talking about this. I actually see that it's an objection. It's 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 an object. It's an objection with multiple layers. Sometimes it's an objection that people are frustrated with their work situation and that they don't have the autonomy over their day. And so it's kind of a like, well, that doesn't apply to me because I I can't use it, so on and so forth. The other times it's a objection to, um, well, it's it's a. I wouldn't call it an objection. I shouldn't call it an objection. It's putting up a barrier that will prevent people from ha- from um, asking for what they need and being creative in the workplace. And I know most people wouldn't recognize that that's what's going on, but when I dig under it, um, it's it's sometimes a um, the the resistance here is sometimes the resistance to the. Um, idea of them talking to their managers and their teams about what they need and what might work. So, um, the first thing that I'll say here is un- it's very unusual for people to never have a day where they direct their own schedule. And I know that people have full-time jobs. I know that they have full-time jobs. And I know that they have full-time jobs, part-time jobs, and they've got kids, so on and so forth, right? Um, days are complex. Weeks are complex. And, 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 You know, people have different degrees to which they have autonomy over their own schedule. I would say the first thing here is when you look at a when you look at your schedules, there can be days where you unschedule it, meaning that maybe it's your weekend that you intentionally unschedule your weekend so that you can focus on yourself. And sometimes that means having a creative retreat. Sometimes that means just being very clear about boundaries. Sometimes that means putting in second shifts throughout the week. So you get all your chores and done chores and stuff done because what tends to happen um, for a lot of people is they go to work and you go to work, then you come home and then you do the chores and then you kind of go to bed. Then you wake up the next day and you go to work and you do the chores and then you go to bed. And so by the time Friday comes, it's like binge playtime. And so you catch up on all the shows, you catch up on all the stuff, and it's like Friday night or Saturday morning, like 2 in the morning, and then you go to bed, and then you wake up tired on Saturday, 
but that's when you plan to do all of the bigger chores like cleaning the house and things like that. And so it's just kind of that grind. And I totally, totally get that. Um, so to really find out your own schedule, you're going to have to find a time to where you unschedule it, unschedule your day or unschedule a day so that you can see what that's going to look like. So that's really my first tip. The second one is I think people are separating or people are confusing what's on their schedule with what they actually feel. And the the insight from the productivity heat map actually starts with what you actually feel. For instance, you know when you're in that meeting and you don't really need to be there, you don't really want to be there, and you really, really want to be getting something done. Like you're working through a, through a problem in your mind, but you're at the stupid meeting. Like you know when that happens. Um, you know when you're at the doctor's appointment and you're all amped up to do... Um, to do some work, but you're at the doctor's office and you can't. You also know when you're scheduled to be doing something that's high, that's high energy when you're dead, right? And so separate what's actually on your schedule with how you as a person feels, understanding that there's a very much an interplay, right? Um, so I would suggest people approach heat mapping when their schedule is largely determined externally by one being hyper aware of their own internal state, irregardless of what their schedule is, irregardless of what their schedule is. Where are you throughout the day? What do you feel like? You can check in at a meeting. You can check in, um, you know, while you're doing some work, you can check in or check out. Well, you can, you can check in when you're checking out. Here's what I mean by that. I think we each have those moments in the day to where we we've checked out of work for a little bit. We might be at the screen like screen sucking. I call it screen sucking because you're just sitting there looking and just sucking in the screen, but you're not actually doing anything. I think we all know those periods of time. That is data that you can use to determine when your um, different peaks and valleys of the day are. So um, I'll talk a little bit in question four about triggers. Um, and so listen for that, but that that's really the main point here. If someone, if you don't have autonomy over autonomy over your schedule, pay a lot of attention to when your inner to where your energy is throughout the day. Chart it down. The follow up question or the follow up action is then to have good conversations with your managers, your teammates, to see if it's possible for you to reschedule things. For instance, if you have a boss that loves to have meetings at nine o'clock in the morning and you're dead at nine o'clock in the morning. You can be quiet about it, just suck it up and go to the meeting. Um, you can say, hey, I really like these meetings are valuable. Just so you know, I'm, I will be there every morning at 9 o'clock. It's not the best time of the day for me. So if I'm a little sluggish, it's not that I don't care. It's not that I'm checked out. It's just that I'm still warming up. Were we able to do it at 11, I would be on it and I'd be a much better partner. I'd be better to take, I'd be able to better take notes and take more from you because I'll be more engaged. But I understand that that may or may not work for you. It's still that communication piece. Sometimes when I've suggested that to people, I get a lot of pushback because they're like, yeah, Charlie, that, that sounds great in theory, but like no one does that. Or you just don't understand um, working in the real world. Turns out that I do, and I've had some of those conversations back when I did have a job, um, and both in job in academia and in the military. 
And if there are times, there were times where I needed to let my commanders know that um, I was going to be off working on something during this period of time and I had things covered for me so that I could get some stuff done. Um, I talked about priorities and schedules and, you know, I'm just going to say that I, I realize that we're all unique people, but if it can happen in that context, it can likely happen in the context of your work as well. So um, give yourself some credit and maybe give your boss and colleagues some credit to at least be able to open the conversation. Um, I've been thinking about for a long time of writing sort of a manager's um, guide to heat mapping, a manager's and leader's guide to heat mapping, because I realize so many people who are not managers and um, supervisors need that resource to give to their boss, right, to give to the people who are making these decisions. And so um, in lieu of that, though, don't wait for me. Um, have those conversations because what you might find is that you transform your workspace so that people are more productive and happier and relieved that um, the schedule is working for them versus working against them. Laura, thanks so much for that question. And we're going to move on to the next one. Question number three is from Patricia Bravo. She writes in, What tools do you use for blogging? I'm specifically interested in learning about the tools you use and why for capturing blog post ideas, scheduling your editorial calendar, um, website and social media, and promotion plans, cataloging your post, and tracking performance metrics. This is a great question, Patricia. I'll try to make this brief. Um, It might be something I need to come back to maybe in a webinar or something, but I'll answer the best I can here. Before I do, I want to say that some of the tools that I use are a shifting target because my workflow is now collaborative and much more so than individual. And so um, there are some tools that are legacy and holdouts from when I was working individually that don't quite make the new flow. And there are some that I use only because I'm in a collaborative workflow. So there we go. So before it was collaborative, I, the tools that I used for writing and actual drafting were text edit, excuse me, text mate or write room. And then I copied them into WordPress. I use text edit or write room because I can't, excuse me, text mate um, or write room because I always hated Word and Word when you copied them into WordPress in the earlier days, it always had garbled text. And so I never liked Word. I never liked Keynotes, or it's not Keynote. I never liked Pages, and um, I just find them way more distracting. The other thing that I'll note here is that I learned the basic sort of eight commands in, in HTML so that I can I write natively in HTML now. Um, so, and not HTML, like the AREF heading, all that stuff, but just like I know how to format te- text, like basic ty- typography, and it's natural for me to think about it in that way. Um, Markdown, by the way, is even easier. So it, had I had I started today or where I starting today, I would actually learn Markdown as opposed to HTML, but that's a conversation for another day. The reason I used, another reason I used TextMate is because in the earlier days of WordPress, when I drafted in the panel, something would happen with the word, with the blog or, you know, the website or the program and it would crash. And back in the earlier days, it didn't auto save your, um, your draft. 
which made for a very, very frustrating afternoon when you spent three hours writing, and then for some random reason, the Safari quit, or WordPress failed on you and didn't keep it. It's really, really hard to write it all over again. So um, I I had that happen to me enough that I was like, I'm done. I'm just going to save it in, um, in TextMate and go from there. I've talked about idea gardens on the blog and an idea garden is basically a place where you're capturing ideas that you go back and call them. It's not just a random dumping ground, but it's a place you actually go in and cultivate those ideas and do something with them. So I'd save those posts into an idea garden called blog post ideas. And then I'd look through them at least once a week to see what was in there. Um, A lot of times I would be thinking about them so much that I would just wake up in the morning and just start writing um, on a particular post that I'd been percolating for a while. And then I'd have to go back in the idea garden and pull it out. But it was just simply a file, a folder on my desktop called blog post ideas. And I'd save files in there. I'd use the blog post calendar on our website. You can, you can download it from the free planners page um, when I was forward planning my post, but a lot of times I was actually completing series. I don't say this to a lot of people, but productive flourishing in a way is a series of series that I've been writing since 2008. And I learned in the earlier days to stop calling them series because then when I um, started working on something else or when I fell behind or something like that, it would always feel awkward. Like I didn't finish the series. And so I just stopped calling them series, but it's, it's serial thinking um, which is where, you know, you can, you can see that in say the block planning method above where I talked about that above, because it's, it's continually adding new ideas, refining those ideas, having the conversations with people and coaching, teaching, training, going back and saying, okay, how's that working? And so that's, that's been productive flourishing since day one. Stats are something that I have to be careful to watch out for because I'm wired for them and they're like Saturday morning cartoons for me. Really. I will get up excited about doing stats um, and looking at stats and finding patterns and trends. So for me, it was less about how to watch stats, but more about how not to. So one of the things is with, um, at the time it's called WP stats. It's now part of the Jetpack engine in WordPress. You can look just right in there and get Jetpack installed and you can see stats right within there. That's what most people will get by just fine with it. Again, I'm an analytics junkie, so I use Google Analytics for what for really slicing and dicing stats. And so you want to always have your website set up so that Google Analytics data is being gathered, even if you don't use it, so that when your um, ability to look at stats and understand them improves and increases, that you have all of the data from the beginning, as opposed to when you just decided to start paying attention to Google Analytics. So for stats, um, WP Stats, back in the early days, it's now part of the Jetpack, um, whatever that is, right? It's like a collection of stuff, connection of things, um, and Google Analytics. Cataloging posts, mostly doing that by memory, as PF is now over a thousand posts, pages, and podcast episodes. There's just a lot going on. I can't do that as well as I used to. It's easier when there were 300 posts. Not as easy when there are, you know, thousands. Um, I remember most of the pillar content and part of the reason that, to be honest, part of the reasons that we have a lot of the curated pages that have the different pillar posts on there is 
because it also makes it easy for us to go back and remember to reference what we use, so on and so forth. So um, that's how I catalog the post. And lastly, she asked about um, social media. Well, um, earlier days, that was first the, you know, the native app platforms, Twitter and Facebook, just going in there and writing tweets. Buffer came along and was a game changer because you you were allowed to have schedules a part of the day that you were able to put it out. And then Edgar um, improved upon Buffer exponentially because what Edgar does is allow you to create a library of content that re- that recycles. And so we currently use um, Edgar. Edgar allows you to set um, your your promotional editorial calendar. So if you say, I want this type of post to go out on this day, then it will do that and, and pull from your queue. So um, I love Edgar. What I will say is as much as I love promoting Edgar, it takes a little bit of time for people to get used to thinking about a social media content library um, and sitting down and doing it. So you still have to feed the system for a little bit. Um, but then once you feed the system, it's not like, say, Buffer or any of the native apps where you feed the system and then the next week you got to wake up and do it all over again. With Edgar, you feed the system and then it continues to recycle and share that content with new people. Quick aside here about blogs and social media. When we start talking about refreshing content and recycling content, people are like, doesn't that get old? I mean, don't your readers see the same things over and over and over again? Well, yes and no. Yes, your readers, your core readers will see the same message over and over again. They might not notice it though, right? In the sense of if you're on Twitter, for instance, do you really notice that I posted something eight weeks ago? Probably not, right? Or you, so you saw it, but you didn't notice it. So that maybe that's one of those sort of coachy things that I have to remind people that sometimes seeing is not noticing. So that's one thing. But the other thing about it is, we don't we don't often think about the fact that people who show up for our social streams are showing some people show up today and have no idea what you've done for the last 8 years and have no human way of figuring that out and getting there unless you tell them and a lot of times you tell them that through blog post right so we do a lot of cross linking at at productive flourishing i do a lot of cross linking at productive flourishing um and you know, you tell them that through your social media content. So that's one of those reasons why people, I, I think people are sometimes resistant to the, the repetition and the recycling without realizing that that new person that found you today doesn't know all the stuff that you've talked about for the last eight years. And they're never going to find out if you don't tell them. The big switch to my workflow now is that I do the writing as much as possible in Google Docs. I do it in the Google Docs because um, that's where we're going to do the editing and production of the post. Okay, so rather than writing it in text expand or text mate, our write room, um, it goes right into Google Docs. We um, are rebuilding the blog post ideas um, folder to to live in Google Drive. The challenging thing with that is it's easier to have your own idea garden than it is to have a collaborative idea garden because someone else doesn't know that you've gone through and looked at that. So it's a little bit more challenging and we're still working on that. 
So the workflow is also different now that, that I have different teammates that are, that are supporting the writing. Um, what I've done is really gone through and looked at what are the core tasks that Charlie needs to do. So the core drafting, the core writing, the core thing that I do, and then what are the support tasks. And so we have Catherine Oliver, who's our editor. She's fantastic. She catches things that I will never catch and allows me just to focus on drafting, which is fantastic. Um, we have Joe who does a lot, Josephine, who does a lot of the coordination between the other different pieces that have to happen. We have Macy that, that helps out with the um, social media and marketing uh, marketing tasks that are required for that. And then we have Vanessa that, that produces um, the lead banners that you've started to see um, on the blog. And so all of those are are important pieces because what I'm looking at now with Productive Flourishing in the state that it is, is for every post that I write, how do I get the most gain? And there's also a large enough audience that um, the professional polish actually adds up. So that's largely what's different now. And curation is still about the same, still about the same, Um, a little bit harder um, because we're producing more when you include the podcast, so on and so forth. So we're having to do a bit more work on that. Um, And because we write about different things, because productive flourishing is not just about productivity or it's not just about inspiration or not just about entrepreneurship. People come in for different reasons. So we have to do a lot more work of giving them enough starting points and then mixing in choose your adventure elements. So probably more than Patricia wanted to know, but those are the tools. Just as a quick recap, Google Docs, Jetpack or WordPress stats or analytics, we have the blog post calendar, Edgar for social media content. I believe that's it. We use Rainmaker. We use the platform Rainmaker, which is basically WordPress on steroids. So we don't have access to some of the plugins. But so I'm just saying what's what's available in WordPress for most people. Those are the tools. Patricia, I hope that's useful. Great question. All righty, Creative Giants. That's it for today's Q and A. Big thanks to Jennifer Laban, Laura Hackle, and Patricia Bravo for the great questions. On the next Q&A, I'll discuss some examples of triggers and why they matter. Two, how I worked through what needed to happen with the Live Your Legend transition. And three, maybe one of your questions. Email your questions to me at charlie at productiveflourishing.com and I'll get it queued to answer in a future episode. If you liked this episode or the show in general, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us reach more people. We have a walkthrough on how to do this at bit.ly forward slash creative giant show FAQ. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash creative giant show F-A-Q. That's all one word. But feel free to email me at charlie at productiveflourishing.com or tweet me at at Charlie Gilkey if you need some help. Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.